You're listening to Agile Next, the next generation Agile talk show. I'm Daniel Gulo. And I'm Stephen Forte. Each week, we ask industry leaders to share their past experiences with Agile practices and to provide their insights into where Agile is heading to next. The show is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and by visiting our website at www.agilenext.tv. This episode is brought to you by Applebrook Consulting and Fresco Capital. Whatever your Agile needs, Applebrook Consulting can help with training and coaching. Visit our website at www.apple-brook.com. Fresco Capital is a global venture capital firm focusing on entrepreneurs building global businesses. Visit our website at fresco.vc. Episode 7, July 28th, 2016. Today in the show, we have Aaron Bjork. Aaron is a principal group program manager at Microsoft, working in the Visual Studio Cloud Services division, where he drives investments in work management, agile project management, reporting, and collaboration for Microsoft's Visual Studio Team Services and Team Foundation Server products. Aaron joined Microsoft back in 2002, working as a software engineer and development lead on the Visual Studio product line. Prior to joining Microsoft, Aaron worked for various startups in the Seattle area. Aaron is passionate about application lifecycle management solutions and has a strong desire to see teams improve their software engineering practices. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks, Stephen. Great to be here with you guys. Oh, it's great to have you here. You work at um, a very exciting company that's producing some really great products using, using the Agile methodologies. And um, we'd actually like to hear your story about Microsoft. You joined in 2002 when, when Microsoft was not very Agile. And in all fairness, no large organization or even small organization was very Agile in 2002. It was the exception. So you got to watch Microsoft go from being a pretty waterfall environment to an Agile environment. I was wondering if you can uh, tell the audience a little bit about that experience. Sure. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, certainly been a, a fun journey to be on. And I would actually start with, uh, I don't think even now Microsoft is is what I would consider like a very agile organization. But I think we're we're seeing the company uh, slowly turn and and shift to a more iterative approach to building and delivering software. That's the way I'd say it. And you know, my experience in this really started about um, six or seven years ago. You know, I was somebody who, as an engineer, was experimenting with lots of different uh, processes and approaches to building software. And on the engineering teams that I was a part of, we were um, more or less adopting Scrum and, and learning how to um, think more iter iteratively, um, work in Scrum teams, uh, sort of embrace that uh, the science of Scrum, you know, as laid out in all the books and, uh, you know, learn to build software differently. And, you know, we found it to be effective. Um, you know, a few years later, I joined the team I'm in now. And, you know, we're a team that builds tools for, for software teams. And because of that, it really put us on what I call the cutting edge of, I think, a lot of the agile movement. We had customers coming to us and saying, hey, we want your tools to be able to do this. You know, I want your tools to help me run a daily standup or, you know, manage a backlog of work or, uh, you know, I want to visualize my work. I need a board solution here. And that really pushed us to kind of look in the mirror and say, you know, if we're going to be able to build tools for customers that support this, I think we need to be able to support it from our own perspective and understand it. And, um, you know, that coupled with 
you know, kind of what was going on in the industry with, you know, sort of the, uh, you know, everybody sort of moving a little bit faster. Uh, suddenly we were no longer thinking about shipping software, you know, what I, what I call in a box, but it was, you know, shipped via new methods and new channels on the web, uh, you know, whether it's downloads or, you know, just web-based apps. Um, really started to, you know, again, cause us to look in the mirror and say, we need to start thinking about working differently. And so that led to, um, you know, what's been kind of a five-year transformation here within the, the division that I'm a part of that we call the developer division. Um, we've been on a, that five-year agile transformation, you know, from sort of what we call two-year delivery cycles down to, you know, three-week sprints where we're deploying every three weeks to our service and, and updating the product. And, and that's led to an even broader Microsoft conversation as, as all of the groups around the company are kind of uh, going through that same exercise of looking themselves in the mirror and saying, hey, you know, we need to think about our approach to building software differently. You know, the approach that worked for Microsoft in the you know, late 90s and early 2000s was a, a great approach. It was very valid, wh whether you label it waterfall or, or whatever word you put on it. It worked, but but really times have changed, and we can't just take that same mindset and that same approach and think that it's going to work today. And so again, it's causing the entire company to really, um, you know, rethink a lot of things, rethink our roles, uh, rethink our approach, uh, rethink some of the tools. But it, it's really more of a culture conversation than anything, and uh, and rethink our mindset as we approach building software. Oh, that, that is a fascinating story because you were pushed by your customers to become more agile because you were building agile tools, which is just totally fascinating. Yeah, I think it, I, I tell people a, a lot that I think we were sort of blessed by that. It was a real benefit to our own agile transformation because I got a chance to, um, you know, kind of test what we wanted to do in the tools uh, live on our own teams and learn from that. And again, it, it sort of, uh, you know, helped with a credibility conversation with, hey, um, you know, if I've got a customer coming to us and saying, I need to be able to work this way um, and your tools need to support it. The only way I could really understand how my tools supported it was to talk to that customer, dig in and then try it out myself and apply it. And so it was a, a real benefit to our own um, agile transformation, if you will, and it and sort of remains that way today. So Aaron, with releasing code every three weeks, um, how has that been a business benefit for you, um, especially in dealing with competitors that have entered the market like Jenkins and GitHub and Subversion and so on? Sure. Well, let me start with, I think um, it, it starts by really helping us, um, you know, kind of when we deliver software, um, we have a better chance of getting it right when we're in a constant conversation with our customers. And that three-week delivery channel has allowed us to sort of what I call creep up on success instead of treating success as this big bang event at the end of a two-year cycle. So let me kind of um, you know, contrast the before and after. Um, you know, before, we might spend six months planning and a year and a half to two years executing. And we would have an event where we would launch a product. And in the meantime, you know, over that two year period, the entire landscape could have changed from a marketplace perspective, from a competitive perspective. Yeah, you might have new competitors like a Jenkins, like a GitHub, like an Atlassian popping on the scene and doing new things. Um, in that world, it often led to a, a place where when I was shipping my software, I actually knew it was behind. 
or maybe becoming less relevant than it needed to be. I was aware that the marketplace was changing, but I really had no mechanism to adjust my plan or, um, or change. So it led to a lot of apologizing to customers and saying, hey, you know, I understand you're right. You know, we're going to get to that and give me another two years and, um, you know, I'll, uh, I'll hope I get it right then. So it wasn't really a, a, a sort of healthy model. I think now, um, you know, we, we have this opportunity, if you will, to adjust our thinking regularly and, and throughout the year uh, continually. We, we sort of never break from that three-week cadence. And I don't want that to be mistaken as every three weeks I change my mind or shift my direction. I clearly don't. I still do a lot of long-term planning. I do a lot of, um, a lot of strategic thinking that takes me well beyond uh, you know, the next uh, three months, six months, and even nine months. But that three-week cadence gives me an opportunity to uh, deliver uh, features, deliver new capabilities, really learn from how those capabilities meet customers and, and sort of meet the demands that they have, and then adjust my thinking. And uh, that's what I sort of call planning and learning. It's been a great uh, mindset shift for us where I can plan still looking out into the future but I can continually learn as I'm executing along the way. And again, not to say that I'm gonna change my mind every three weeks, but I certainly have an opportunity to adjust the software that I'm building or, uh, or the plan that I'm, that I'm uh, aiming for. And uh, we've had a lot of guests on the show that talked about transforming their organizations to be more agile, which you, you, know, you went through here at Microsoft. And it seems like on the customer side, things were great. You were actually pushed by your customers, which which actually is a bit of a luxury compared to some people when they went through it, when, they, when they're working, especially with large customers like in the government and things like that. And on, the, on your side, though, on the corporate side, we've always seen a lot of guests talk about the human factor, that there was either resistance or there was, you know, there was just some, you know, this is not the way we do it here. And can you talk a little bit about, about that? Was there a lot of resistance or, or is it like, hallelujah, we're, we're going agile or is it something in between? <laughs> Sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, certainly don't mistake. Uh, it, it was absolutely a benefit to have our customers pushing us, but that, that doesn't mean it was all uh, what I call unicorns and rainbows. You know, it, uh, it didn't really work that way. Um, I think more than anything, uh, sure, there was resistance. And, you know, there, there still remains resistance because, you know, as we all know, change is difficult and, and change is hard. It's not easy for people to go through. Um, I think we, we benefited from our customers uh, pushing us in that direction, uh, that certainly helped. Um, but I think more than anything, we, we learned along the way that the, the difficulties or the challenges uh, were, not, um, were not things that were gonna stop us and, and sort of uh, tell us that we weren't being successful. They were just learning opportunities on how we could be successful. And so I think we really adopted that sort of um, you know, that fail fast mentality where, hey, let's go try it. Let's learn from what uh, didn't work. And then let's move forward together. And I think one of the things that we learned early, and especially I, this is, it's, it's really stands out in my mind is I really don't talk to, uh, to teams around here or even to, to leaders when I'm talking to them about changing the way they work. I don't actually bring the word agile into the conversation very often. Because if, if you go at it as a, you know, we're going to go B 
become agile, it sort of is a, um, it almost becomes a religious war, you know, and a, and a debate of what's better and what's the right approach. Instead, I'm, I'm more interested in saying, hey, uh, let's work more efficiently. Let's find a way to uh, change our culture so that we're eliminating waste and, uh, and, you know, we have a better chance at success. And when we approached it that way and sort of got out of the, the agile religious war, I think there was a lot less resistance because let's let's face it, everybody's had a bad experience with everything. And we've all been a part of, you know, agile teams that were run poorly or any kind of team that was run poorly and and seen um, seen failure there and had that labeled a certain way. And, and nobody wants to do that again. So we've tried to remove that aspect of it from the conversation. Yeah, the, the words can have a very polarizing emotional effect on people. I've, I've seen that myself in dealing with with my clients. Talk a little bit more about some of the cultural impact of Agile at Microsoft. Um, you know, how, how have people received it or not? What kind of changes have happened in the trenches and so on? So a couple of cultural things that I think have happened is um, we've, we've really embraced the, what I call the team model. Um, and, you know, if you, you know, depending on who you talk to or, or what uh, methodology you prescribe to, you know, working in teams is, is an effective way to, to get things done. And I think it started with that. Um, those teams have slowly become uh, cross-functional teams. So these aren't like, uh, you know, development teams over here and test teams over here and program management teams over here. They literally are teams of 10 to 12 people uh, made up of multiple disciplines. They, they sit together, they work together, um, and we keep them uh, um, intact. We keep that team intact for a longer period of time so they can get very, very good at building software together. Um, that's been one of the biggest cultural changes. And so in our old world, you know, it was, hey, we're going to we're going to write code for three months. Then we're going to celebrate some milestone called code complete, which just meant we had a lot of code written with a lot of bugs in it. You know, I don't know why we were having a party to celebrate that, but we were. You know? uh, then we'd enter this long stabilization period. And uh, where we were testing all that code and fixing bugs, you know, culturally, we've sort of thrown that entire model out. And um, now we have teams that work uh, alongside each other in three week increments and they write code, test code, ship code every three weeks. And and it's a mentality that is brought to the team and, and a culture that's brought to the team. A um, couple of key things that go with that is we have actually uh, moved and are moving the, the entire company to um, what we call combined engineering, which is more or less we've eliminated the, the testing discipline as a, um, as, as a, a role that we hire. And uh, instead of having developers and testers, we have software engineers. So we have a single now role that we call a software engineer. And we expect our software engineers to write code and test code and deploy code and do all of it. And so that's been a big, big cultural shift as well. Um, as we moved more and more towards the, uh, the the team approach to building software. Aaron, uh, about 20 years ago, I did a consulting project at Microsoft, and I was very excited to go out to the campus for the first time. And I actually was put into my own office, and everyone else had their own office. And um, some, some people shared an office, and they emailed each other uh, in the same office, which I found pretty fascinating. Um, I've heard that Microsoft's moved to a much more open environment where people have, um, you know, much, much more of a, an agile environment. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think this has been uh, one of the big uh, cultural changes that that is going on. And, and it's still 
going on right now, but we're slowly retrofitting buildings here on campus to uh, sort of rebuild them from the inside out so that they know we're geared around what we call a team room. And a team room is, you know, think of um, it's a, a physical room designed for 10 to 12 people to sit in. You know, it's got a small focus room uh, sitting on it, maybe a phone room and even a conference room attached to it. And that's where we expect a team of people to work. And uh, my group, again, because we were we were sort of going through the agile transformation, we were the first um, big or big division in the company to embrace this. And so three years ago, we moved uh, across campus into the building I'm in now called Building 18, and it had been completely gutted and retrofitted to be um, team room based. And, um, you know, it was a, a difficult uh, move for a lot of people. You know, there had been people that had sort of uh, gotten very comfortable in their office with all their stuff. And, uh, you know, we had a culture of the longer you were here, the, the slower you or the quicker you moved out towards the edges where the windows were and then towards the corners, you know, so it almost became this status thing. And uh, and it was a big change and a big shift for people to pack up a lot of that stuff and move into a room where you're sharing a space with your peers and, and sometimes even your manager. Um, but I can't tell you how big of an impact that physical change has had on our cultural transformation. And, you know, I, I wish you could see where I'm at right now. I'm in a little focus room um, attached to my team room. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a group program manager. I have, uh, you know, 14 people that report to me and I work with a development manager. My development manager and I used to sit uh, next to each other um, in adjacent offices. You know, we had a physical wall that separated us, but we had adjacent offices. Now we sit in a team room and we sit, our desks are sort of facing one another. And, you know, we have estimated that we probably talk five times more now than we did when our offices were right next to each other. And yeah, that might be a shocking number, but it's true. You know, we, I, I can remember walking down the hall and thinking to myself, you know, I need to talk to Valentina. And I would see that her door was closed on her office. So what would I do? I would go into my office and just like you articulated, I would send her an email or I'd open up, you know, link and I am her, you know, and, and, and actually, um, you know, now I just pop my head up and say, hey, Valentina, can we chat? And if she can chat right then, we do. If not, we find time when we can do it. But the amount of collaboration just because of that physical change has been uh, stunning. And, you know, another story related to that is I can I can clearly remember um, doing daily stand ups in our old building. And we had to kind of find, we either had to have a conference room booked for that, or we had to find sort of a corner in a hallway where we could gather people. And I remember that for the 10 minutes leading up to stand up, it was always kind of a, you know, wrangling exercise of getting people, hey, you know, don't forget, come on down, you know, getting them out of their offices. Now, like literally, if you want to have a daily stand up, you just stand up. I mean, it's like right there, like, the team just stands up and there's nothing more fun than me to sort of walk around at times. And I'll pop into one of our team rooms to, to talk to one of my PMs. And I love interrupting stand up. I mean, I don't really interrupt it, but I love seeing them standing there. And it just brings a smile to my face because how powerful is it that we've changed the actual physical buildings to support the cultural transformation that we want? And, and this is something that's now spreading across the company. So all buildings are, are slowly being retrofitted to support this. I oftentimes find that organizations are, are fairly dogmatic and prescriptive in terms of the working space. Um, even when they're trying to move to more of a, 
an agile environment, right? They say, okay, we're going to break down all the cubicle walls and you absolutely are not allowed to use headphones and those kinds of things. I think it's, it's more crucial or key to run experiments and try new things and sort of flesh out what it means for your culture and, and find the, the scenario that works most effectively. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I'll, I'll build on that a little bit by saying that I think, you know, you touched on something just now that is so important to me. And it's, it's the aspects of what I call alignment and autonomy. You know, I, I believe that you can um, apply agile thinking, agile practices, agile methodologies at scale. I mean, I think we're doing it very successfully here at Microsoft in a lot of ways. But if you're going to do that, you, you have to, um, you can't be overly prescriptive in how you're going to approach it. And you have to embrace what you described, which is an, an experimentation culture, a try things culture. And, you know, when I describe the teams that we have, our teams really have almost complete autonomy to assemble, run, execute, um, and, and perform a three-week sprint in whatever fashion that they want. Um, we don't mandate daily stand-ups. We don't mandate pair programming. We don't mandate headphones or this or that. That's for the team to decide. We have a few things that we align on. You know, we align on our sprint cadence. We align on how we're going to um, you know, talk about this, this, or that, but we don't, we don't make it prescriptive because every team needs a chance to, you know, build its own culture and have that autonomy that, that they, you know, crave, if you will, to, to engage in the act of building software together and figure out how that works. And, um, it looks different team to team and that's important to me. So I think it's really, really important that, that that aspect comes into any sort of agile transformation. You, you can't really think of having a one size fits all. It won't. And all it'll do is annoy everybody, piss them off and, and cause people to want to go work somewhere else. Right. And you don't, and that's not the point, right? The point is to get everyone to work, work together a little more harmoniously. That's right. I have a question for you about your um, influence on the rest of the company. And I'll tell you a quick story that you may or may not know is um, I had a unique window into the Yammer integration into Microsoft as um, a former Microsoft employee who was one of the early or co one of the early employees or co-founders of Yammer interviewed at one of my portfolio companies. Since as my day job, I'm a venture capitalist. And I asked him a lot of questions actually about his experience at Microsoft, partly to interview him, but more because I was actually really interested. So I hope he's not listening to this podcast and realizes that. But he, he told me that they went from, you know, they went into the office group, which I know is different than your group. And they went from releasing every, like similar to your, your Visual Studio, from releasing every three years to every Friday. And they said they drew their inspiration from what the Visual Studio team was doing. So were you guys one of the first teams inside of Microsoft to do it? And, you know, what was unique about that? Or, and have you influenced the other organizations at Microsoft? Yeah, I think, uh, I think the answer is, is yes to both. But it's sort of yes with some qualifiers. Um, I think certainly around the company, you know, there's been pockets of, of Agile going on for years. And I, I don't claim to be the first or, or any of that. I do think that the developer division, and the developer division is a group of about 4,000 people, was the, the first you know, division, if you will, to say, we're going to go all in on this and really try it. And so I think um, uh, you know, that we were the first in that regard. Now, I think there's a couple things that came with that that made it, um, made it easier for us. And I think the first was we were very interested in having both a box product 
and a service-based product. And we wanted to deliver both. And the, the cloud journey, if you will, the journey to building a service and something that we could deliver incrementally and, and update regularly really, really helped our agile transformation. It sort of forced our hand in a lot of ways. And I think that's a, a benefit that we had and maybe um, you know, something that not all groups around the company have had. You know, if you're if you're shipping something, if you're shipping a piece of hardware like like the Xbox, you know, that's a little different and uh, and it brings a different set of challenges. So um, now how we're influencing the rest of the company, I think, is twofold. I think, first of all, uh, we've shown that we're being successful with it. And so I think we're we have an opportunity to just share how we're doing it with a lot of a lot of other groups around the company. And I get a chance to do that regularly. I always tell those groups, you know, don't just copy us, you know, learn from what worked for us and, and let's figure out how that can apply to to your product, your culture, because, you know, this is a huge company and, you know, it's not going to be the same everywhere. Uh, the other thing that I think has helped us in that is that, again, we own tools that software teams use to build software and we deliver those tools and our company, Microsoft, uses those tools. And so because of that, I'm brought into a lot of conversations with other groups around the company to talk to them about tools. And usually when I'm doing that, I start with, hey, I'm, I'm your tools guy, but I'm going to start with culture. You know, my tools won't make you agile, if you will. They won't change your culture. They can support a culture, uh, but they're not going to change it. And so that gives me a little bit of a stage and gives our group a bit of a stage to have a conversation with other uh, groups around the company about how they can uh, change their culture and, and start adopting a more agile approach to software development. So we ask our guests the same question for every episode, which is the premise of our show, where is agile headed next? So in your opinion, what does the future hold for the agile movement? It's an interesting question. Um, I think I've touched a little bit on, on some of this, but let me try to re rephrase it a bit. I think that the Agile movement is headed in a direction where we're going to stop talking about uh, various religious practices that have sort of grown up inside Agile, and we're really going to start focusing on culture. And I think that's the big, big change that I see. Um, you know, I, I love Scrum. I, I believe it's a great uh, science, if you will, and it's a great approach, but I don't think it works for everybody. Um, I believe in in Kanban methods and and Kanban thinking. I believe in, you know, whip limits. I believe in all that. I love it. I study it. But I don't think you apply it blindly. And I think that, you know, sort of the next 10 years is about taking the things that we've learned from those various prescriptive methodologies or prescriptive practices and applying them at scale and not doing that in a in a overly prescriptive or overly dogmatic approach. But using those to influence a culture of, you know, learning from customers, of uh, incremental delivery, of continuous deployment and continuous improvement, and seeing how we can take what we've learned, you know, within the 10 to 12 person team and now apply it to the 4,000, 5,000, 10,000 person organization. And so it's really about seeing organizations start to become more agile. And I almost don't know if I want to label it that way because I don't know if that's appropriate. But um, but I think that's what we're going to see is we're going to see those practices and that approach and that culture moving up organizations and, and really impacting everything that they do. 
you're, you're hitting on a theme that we're hearing from most of our guests on this show, which it's the organization, it's the culture, it's the people, and the individual agile brands are not necessarily as important as it is, you know, growing up in the entire organization. So it's, a, it's pretty consistent with what we're hearing. Yeah, I, I think it's really where where we're going. And like, like I said, and I tell people this all the time, like, you know, if you want to you want to transform your organization and you, and you want to know where to start, like I tell people, hey, yeah, go get a scrum book, read it, try it, learn from it, um, then put it down for a while, you know, then think about how does our company work? How does our business work? What would need to change to bring some of that thinking more broadly? And it's not just follow it prescriptively. It, it's think about how does it fit into your product life cycle? Um, how does it think uh, fit into the culture of your organization? How does it align with your business goals? And yeah, it's more about the culture of the organization than it is the the prescription of of the process or the methodology. We have one last question for you is um you've talked about what's next for Agile. What's what's next for you? Any any large Agile transformations or cool products you're working on or or things like that over the next year or two? Sure. I, I think you know what uh, I'll kind of uh talk with some broad strokes here, but um I think you know, I, I, I live in the developer division and I'm a developer at heart. Um, you know, I again, I build tools for developers. I think I'm very excited that uh, Microsoft as a whole is really embracing all developers around the around the world and uh, regardless of platform, regardless of uh, language. And I think as as I think about what we're planning to do over the next few years is I really want to bring a set of tools uh, to bear that can help organizations scale agile and and do that regardless of whether or not you're building um, software on the .NET framework for uh, the Windows stack or or some other stack or some other device. And, and I think that's exciting. So it's very fun to be a part of something where uh, it's no longer us against the world. It's sort of us with the world. And uh, and that's fun. And I, I think it's going to lead to a lot of fun conversations over the next few years. Aaron, thank you very much for your time and being on our show. It was a delightful talking to you and getting your perspective. Great. Thanks, guys. I really enjoyed it. Next week on our show, our guest will be Steve Porter from Scrum.org. Steve will share with us his experiences of traveling the world as a mentor, trainer, and coach to help organizations make improvements to their delivery capabilities. A big Agile Next thank you to our sponsors, Fresco Capital and Applebrook Consulting. Visit Fresco Capital at frescocapital.com and Applebrook Consulting at apple-brook.com. We hope to see you next week on Agile Next. In the meantime, check out our website at agilenext.tv. 